Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. I don't know why RJ says that. My name is not RJ Ochoa. It's it's Pete Sweeney, and I am, of course, the co-host for Monday Football Monday. But today, I'm lucky enough to be in the host chair. RJ is off. I believe he's doing some some jury dutying. So hopefully a, a quick in and out for our guy RJ, but not able to to be on the show this morning. But who is on the show is myself, as I said, Pete Sweeney, and I'm happy to be joined by Jeremy Reisman. He is my my number two co-host now, so we got the the one two punch going today. Jeremy, uh, we'll do our our absolute best to fill RJ's shoes, but th- that's no easy task, as we know. It, it's not. But uh, I'll, you know, I'll take the the temporary promotion while while the man serves our country here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. I I have to read this. I'm I'm getting I'm doing everything on the fly. This of course is Monday Football Monday, and it's a reminder that this show is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use the code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBN. NFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. And we come to you the Monday as the NFL scouting combine is coming to an end. And Jeremy, this is really the unofficial beginning of the offseason. I always feel like once we get to the scouting combine, it feels like it really ramps up because you have the combine quickly followed by free agency, then draft and workouts. And it's like, does this league ever stop? Do they do? Do they have any type of break? But uh, what a week that it was! And of course, we had a lot of storylines coming out of Indianapolis. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not always just about the the players on the field either. The NFL draft. It's it's getting thirty two NFL teams together, their general managers together, their owners together, the, the coaches together. They start talking. You know, uh, officially they aren't allowed to start uh, negotiating until next week, but we all know that really happens in Indianapolis the, the past week, and and that led to some news that we already got. Really, yeah, I tend to think that. And this is just another theory that we don't need to to dive into. So very briefly, that the whole tampering thing seems a little ridiculous. That fact that that teams are punished for tampering, just considering in reality, these conversations are not only just happening in Indianapolis, they're happening all the time every year at 365. But alas, uh, this is the where this is where everybody goes to and everybody knows that every agent is there everybody knows that every gm is there every head coach speaks to the media we got some some news last week on that the biggest story to to come out uh, i think was the the Derek Carr stuff that happened this morning we're going to be counting down the the top top, top 10 nfl storylines to come out of the combine and this one broke as we were getting ready to to do today's show Derek Carr had been talking to a few different teams, the Saints, the Jets included. There had been some rumblings that maybe the Jets were the favorite, but not to be. Derek Carr signs a four-year deal to become the starting quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. Did he make the right decision, Jeremy? Oof, man, I, I don't I don't know if I love the fit, to be completely honest. I, I feel like the Jets were maybe the more up-and-coming team. That said, I think the thing that works best in his favor is he's coming to an NFC where he can be a top plate. Uh, quarterback in this conference and he's coming to the NFC South, which is absolutely wide open. So if he's looking for an opportunity to, you know, immediately kind of make a name for himself individually, I think, I think this may be a good move, but I think the Jets were a team that's further along than the Saints. And, you know, he's, he's on kind of a, a shortish runway at what, 31 years old. So I don't, I don't know if the Saints have the resources and and the team enough right now to really get him across the finish line to where he's going. But He'll be in competition in a weaker NFC conference. Yeah, I was a little just 
I was a little confused by the Derek Carr track because I just I know he's a guy and you've seen him in, in press conferences and whatnot. He he gets a little in his feels, yeah. right? We can say that. Sure. And the fact that the Jets were so tied to him and also Aaron Rodgers was confusing to me because I just think that if Derek Carr is choosing a team, again, this is just my speculation. I think that he's going to want that team to be all in on him, not poking around. This is, is it Jimmy G? Is it Aaron Rodgers? What's the best fit? I And I, I feel like the Saints maybe knew that. And it does seem outside looking in from all the rumblings that they were putting the full court press on Carr, really no ties to Rodgers in a way. And I think that paid off in, in landing their guy. And I, I saw this going around as far as instant analysis and on the, the Twitter machine. And you go from a division where you're playing Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Russ Wilson last year wasn't so great. He was good in those last two games, but still you, you never know what you're going to get. Now the Peyton's in there. Uh, and now you're jumping to a conference where you don't know who's going to be the quarterback of Tampa. You don't know who's going to be the quarterback of Carolina. We think Desmond Ritter and in, in Atlanta, right? But that's a much easier road as far as the most important six games of the year than it was in the AFC West. So you don't think their pitch to, to make Derek Carl hall of famer in New York was enough. <laughs> well, I just think that if and I don't know this, right? If New York had its choice, if you're the Jets, they're probably leaning Rodgers, I would For guess, sure. right? Yeah. I mean, the two-time two MVP back to back two of the last 3 years. And I think Rodgers wants to go to New York, and I just think that they feel that they would be closer to winning a Super Bowl in a, in a more fast manner in a quicker manner if they were able to to land Rodgers and and I think easy to understand why Carr went to New Orleans. And now I, I think, as they say, this is such an off-season cliche, but that's the first quarterback domino to fall, right. which usually indicates that we're going to start to see some of this other quarterback movement. We know that Carr actually had been in Indianapolis and had been meeting with teams there. And so he, he has his, his team. And I think he likes it that way because I don't think it was one of these things he wanted to draw out. Unlike Rodgers, he wants to be in the building. Right. Just doing his football thing, getting ready, getting the scheme down, knowing his teammates and and being a real big part of it. So he gets it done early. New Orleans has its new quarterback, and uh, they're the only team in, in that division that has a, a solid quarterback, which is going to be a significant advantage for them. I think they knew that. All right, let's move on to our next storyline, and that is uh, Lamar Jackson could get the, the non-exclusive tag here. And so it's starting to get interesting in Baltimore. There was a little bit, I, I think, of, Bluff calling, so to speak. We are in the franchise tag window. There's also been things with Daniel Jones, where maybe he wants north of $40 million a year. I don't know about that for Daniel Jones, but uh, we are tracking these franchise tags. We have official tags or word, reliable word that these tags will be placed on Josh Jacobs, Evan Ingram, and Commander's defensive tackle, uh, Deron Payne. We're also looking out for Jackson, as we mentioned, Giants running back Saquon Barkley, Seattle Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith, Cowboys running back Tony Pollard, we mentioned Jones, Bengals safety Jesse Bates, and then Chiefs left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. So the window's closing tomorrow, and I, I think right now, Jeremy, it's all eyes on Lamar Jackson. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation, and I think for the first time, I think I've kind of fallen into place where I don't think it's going to work out in Baltimore. It sounds like the, yeah. the two sides talked extensively during Combine Week and did not get any closer, and... I mean, I I, th I think both sides are just kind of dug in their heels and at this point. And so if they go the non-exclusive uh, franchise tag route, that that means basically like anyone can can negotiate with this yeah. guy. And and 
there are going to be teams that are going to be willing to give him a lot of money. That and and I always I I can't really find a spot where I am on this debate because I think it all kind of hinges on the deal that Deshaun Watson got last year, right? Hundred percent. And so, are you of the belief that that has set the new market, or are you of the belief that the Browns made a mistake and you don't want to make that same mistake? And I can see both sides of it. I I, I don't think we're headed towards quite yet. Maybe, maybe we get there, but I don't think we're there yet where we're giving out fully guaranteed contracts to quarterbacks. Yeah. I, I think that the Browns knew that they needed to do that in that particular situation to land Watson. I think the 31 other owners turned to the Browns owners, the Haslam's right. Yeah. And, and they, they said Haslam's WTF because (laughs) now everybody, all these, all these guys are rightly going to want it. And yeah. how do you blame them? Right. Like if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm like a former MVP and I'm still young and I see Deshaun Watson who creeped his way to an all guaranteed deal. Why am I not asking for that? Now, I don't think every quarterback like a Daniel Jones could go and ask for that. But if you're a former MVP in this league, of course, that should be the bare minimum. And it's created a dicey situation. And now I feel like Baltimore is calling the bluff of what is the Jackson camp as he represents himself uh, famously or, or in, in infamously the exclusive tag, by the way, let me read this here is that teams must offer the selected player one year contract, no less than either the average of the top five salaries of the player's position uh, in, in April of the current years or 120% of the player's previous year's salary, whichever is greater non-exclusive teams must offer the selected player one year contract, no less than the average of the top five cap hits, but same type of thing but as you mentioned jeremy now he is open to talking to any any team so now i think what baltimore probably is doing is saying look if you're not happy with where offering see if you can go find it and if he can't well all right we're, we're going to negotiate again with, with us what do you think but i i don't know as you see all these teams and look Derek Carr's fine but as you see how many teams are interested in Derek carr there's got to be some team out there that will be very interested in Lamar Jackson and and paying him. And then what happens is that team would also have to send two first round picks back to Baltimore. But I think there'll be a lot of teams that are going to be considering this. And you also have to think, too, Jeremy, of the repercussions of these guys sometimes get upset when your team is simply interested. So you might have a solid quarterback in place. Your, your team actually might be a, a perfect example of this with Goff, who played well. Like, do you want to start to get in that mix? Because it's very risky. So if Detroit were to, let's say, be involved in this and try to talk to Lamar, then you don't get him. You strike out. How does that feel to your current start? Happened to Matt Ryan, right, last year? With the yes. Deshaun Watson yeah. stuff, yeah. And yeah. and another key point in this whole thing, too, is Remember, the, the, the Ravens are still going to have an opportunity to match if they go non-exclusive. Right. Um, so, right. so maybe it's, okay, someone else show us a deal that you're willing to give, and then let's gauge if, if that's somewhere we're going to go. But yeah, it, it is a dicey situation when you when you go and, and try to take a big swing on a guy and miss. So, um, you know, not to not to conjure the wire, but if you come for the king, you best not miss, right? Um well, that that's true, and 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 the whole thing too is is you're right about that match, and that's a great point because a team could could get there and say we're ready to do this, and Baltimore could pull the rug, and then that team, whoever won Lamar, is back to whatever quarterback right. that they had, and that's not always a good feeling either. So it's a very 
volatile situation in Baltimore. And it's not something that we usually see, especially at this position where it gets this interesting. I don't know what Daniel Jones is, is thinking at this stage, but he feels like he should be, I think, reevaluating his own value, not to say that he shouldn't command a, a really nice lucrative contract. I do think he's one of the best 32, probably even higher than that 15 to 20 quarterbacks in the world. But I, I feel like there's a grand disconnect between Daniel Jones and the New York Times. Yeah, I, I think it sounds like they made at least a little bit of progress, but I think that, you know, 45, I think I think, think I even saw 47 million a year. I think that number is going to drop. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's going to drop below 40 million, though. I really do think they might come to an agreement there. And, and it's just, it's the way the NFL has worked, right? Like anyone that is kind of maybe above that 16 and up level, you're going to get a high level, you know, top tier quarterback deal just that's the way i don't know if that's the way it should work it probably shouldn't because you get a lot of these teams that are in that kind of quarterback purgatory as they like to call it where they're getting overpaid they're still an above average quarterback but they're not at the level that some of the other guys that are receiving similar deals are getting and so i feel like daniel jones kind of falls into that purgatory category and i think he is going to get a, a, a good deal but i i think the 45 47 million i think that is a little bit a little bit extended to uh, to where his value truly lies yeah i don't know there's something about this situation where it feels like daniel jones and new york are going to work it out yeah I, I think in the long run i mean he's just not on the level where he can just demand whatever he wants like a lamar jackson can right. so it does feel to me slightly more likely that jones and the giants come to terms and we'll see about jackson and then we're monitoring these these other ones. These are just expected with Seahawks and Geno Smith. I ultimately think Geno Smith ends up with with Seattle. Tony Pollard and the Cowboys, same day, same thing. Jesse Bates and the Bengals seems a little bit more interesting because they have a lot of guys to pay right now, yeah. and they have a lot of money to commit. So we'll see how that ends. They up. didn't and commit I, to I him expect... last year either, right? He was a free agent last right. year, and they just gave him a yeah. one year deal. And we'll see about Orlando Brown Jr. I fully expect the Chiefs to tag him. The tag it. The tag's an interesting story because these are expected. They're likely to happen, but it's just the beginning of the story rather than the end because now it just buys time, right? right? So it's just almost like an extension of all these things. All right, let's move on to our next storyline. The Raiders, Derek Carr's old team, remain the team to watch for Aaron Rodgers. The darkness retreat is over, so I guess he's getting closer to whether or not he wants to stay in Green Bay. I think if I'm betting here one way or the other, I, I got to believe this is it for Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. I, I just I think there's too much smoke yeah. here for Rodgers to stay in Green Bay. And once again, I, and so funny how this happens with with Green Bay. But two decades later, it's it's we sort of just need to be done with the situation and move on and, and you know, grow our franchise with something a little bit more healthier than this toxic situation with Aaron Rodgers. And I, I think they've certainly grown tired of each other and so now it's trying to happily find a way to make sure that both sides are taken care of in a way yeah and it's and it's funny that it history is repeating itself in in a lot more ways than one with with the parallels obviously to brett Favre, and of course the the most uh ironic one maybe being that the new york jets are big players in, in both of those uh right guys's careers but yeah, and I I think I'm with you. The the writing on the wall seems to be that the the Packers are are just ready to move on, and they should be honestly. Like they have to give Jordan Love a shot before his entire rookie deal um, is is completely gone. They obviously have the fifth year option thing that they have to consider in the next couple weeks here as well. And so, 
I, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is done with Green Bay, but I get the sense that Green Bay is done with Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, he even, you know, he's taken a little bit of shots on, on podcasts about the, the play calling two or three years ago. Um, so it just, it doesn't seem like a good situation. It doesn't seem like a smart situation. And I still think the Jets are, are, are the clear front runners here. I don't, I don't know about the Raiders. It, it does. I don't know. There's been mixed reports, whether the Raiders are interested. I know the, the most recent yeah. says that they're well, a team to watch, but I just think the Jets make the most sense here. The Jets make the most sense to me. The reason I brought up the Raiders is because they're still the betting favorites. Yeah. And there's always something weird about Vegas. Right. I guess pun intended in this case, not that the Raiders play in Las Vegas, <laughs> but there's always something weird about Vegas where there could be an aspect to this that just the markets know. I, I have a friend here in, in Kansas City that does some chief stuff with me, a former wide receiver. He goes, you know, they don't put up those shiny buildings in, in Las Vegas for being incorrect, right. right? And so I just think it it does seem like a deal where it's going to come down to the, the Raiders and, and Jets. As we mentioned in, in the AFC West, you know, I, I think you'd rather be playing in the, the AFC East. I know you got to play Josh Allen, and I understand that the Dolphins have this explosive offense, and you do have to play with Bill Belichick. But I do think the AFC East is still like a slightly better road sure. than trying to to play in the AFC West against Herbert and Mahomes and, and company. And so we'll see when Aaron Rodgers ultimately ends up deciding. I just think Aaron Rodgers in New York would be – it almost would be too much. <laughs> I, just it with would. the media disaster, that would be him but let me- with his – cheeky response no go ahead oh no I was, go ahead. let me ask you do you think aaron Rodgers is the type that wants to be in that gauntlet division though he wants to be in the afc west to, to compare to put himself with the patrick Mahomeses of the league it's either he wants to be in that or he wants to be a part <laughs> of it no i i think i don't think he wants that challenge but maybe i'll be wrong about that i do think that they're more than being able to compete in that division. I think what might be more attractive to him is, man, I was the best when I had this receiver who's now on the Raiders. And, uh, you know, I, I think reuniting with him might unlock, he might feel like, okay, this can unlock me again. And I think McDaniels is ready to, to have a quarterback that he feels is better than Derek Carr. And I, I certainly still feel that Rogers is that guy. And that's why you see Carr. Now, going to New Orleans, but we will be watching Aaron Rodgers and updating you as we go here every Monday on Monday Football Monday. Let's go to, I believe you you dropped this in into our topics here. How much will the Chicago Bears actually get for the first overall pick? And who's the most likely team to trade up? What do you think? Yeah, this is, this is an interesting one because obviously that's been kind of the, the, the major rumblings is the Bears now. Um, I think all the the trade Justin Fields stuff has has died. I think it's clear that the Bears want to trade this one. In fact, Ryan Poles talked to uh, Peter King this morning, or at least it was published this morning, and said he thinks he can get a first-round pick both next year and the year after that. So two first-rounders, maybe even a little bit more. Um, I, I was I so I went back and looked, and I'm surprised by how rare it was for the first overall pick to get traded. Last time it happened was the the, the trade from the Rams to get Jared Goff, and they they went up from 15 and do you have any idea what they got for that i don't remember it was two seconds a third and and, and a bunch of other you know late round pick swaps they didn't even get a first yeah. yeah yeah um times have changed times have definitely changed i i guess my my question my my skepticism here and uh, first off the skeptics skepticism is that ryan poles is talking too much 
<laughs> that yes. like whenever someone is that open about trading and and what value they have on these other deals to me that is they're trying to drum up more excitement more value in those pick yeah um the other thing is and we'll get to it there's a lot of quarterbacks on the table here there's four guys that might go All in the right. top 10 how how many of those have distanced themselves from the other two? How many are, are going to warrant a trade all the way up to one rather to three or to four or to five? Yeah, I think there is a little bit of desperation in the NFL because if you don't have a quarterback, you have nothing. And I think there are a bunch of teams here that that don't have a quarterback that even can compete. I, I think like Jared Goff, for example, is a is a is someone there where you feel fine. I mean, you don't feel Right. You don't feel great, but you're not you're not going into the season thinking, <clears throat> well, with this guy, there's no way we could not make the playoffs, win a playoff game, potentially win a Super Bowl. You have to have that. Is, is there a non-zero chance with this quarterback that we could win the Super Bowl? Because then I, I think you're in a just a, a different tier than every other other team that is not part of that that tier. And I and I just think when you're Ryan Poles and you enter a new job, you enter a new team. There is no better scenario for you than a quarterback rich first round when you have a quarterback as far as a rebuilding jackpot in a sense. And so I certainly think they're going to trade this pick. I don't know about two first rounders, but if you can get a, a bevy of picks here, even if they're just darts, right? So even let's say one first rounder in a couple seconds or one first, you know, one, a one or two and a couple of two threes, right? You're still at least, I, I think, as long as your personnel team is built the right way and you've done your due diligence. And I had a, a I, I knew some of Poles' work here in Kansas City, and I think he's that guy. I think the Bears can be back very quickly. I just think it's a different type of league now where it's very youth driven. We've seen how exciting, exciting Justin Fields can be. They believe in him. I know they were waffling at that. I think that was a little informative, in my opinion, but they were, you know, whatever. They've leaned into now Fields. They'll, they'll, get a, a certain number of players back and i i just wonder which team is going to go up and is i, I think we're starting to get to that point are we a hundred percent sure it's going to be bryce young because i i think the and this will lean us into our, our next topic here anthony richardson and his combine starts to make you think right i was looking at the nfl draft profile on nfl.com i'm i'm admittedly not a draft nick but the comparison to him is cam newton right like if people are thinking there's Cam Newton upside, are we 100% slam the door shut that he could not find his way, especially with some of the measurables um, related to Bryce Young and, and Kyler Murray, that another team may not feel, okay, let's go and pull a Trubisky, and hopefully the result is different, <laughs> right. but let's go get our guy. And why why, why not Anthony Richardson after what he was able to do? It's tough because with the NFL combine, you always got to be careful, right? You got to always make sure that you're yeah. not counting athleticism twice, um, as, as they like to say, because everyone knew that An Anthony Richardson was going to kill the combine. I don't know if they expected him to break all these records, though. You know, that's a different yeah. level of um, of athleticism that we weren't expecting. And so, I mean, even with, I, I think even maybe C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud may have had just as good of an NFL combine, specifically with the on-field workout, just because. His accuracy was on full display. And I know, again, we're talking underwear Olympics. We're not, the, the big knock on Stroud is that when he's under pressure, when when there's you know actual guys in his face, that's when maybe some of the decision-making can break down. But back to Richardson, it's just that is such a complicated analysis for, for an NFL draft yep. scout to make. Um, and you, you, you want to be as sure as possible. And when, when the athletic traits are there, 
but some of the mechanics aren't. Um, the the production certainly wasn't there, and he's only a one year starter. It's a lot of question marks, and and really you can you can start to throw question marks everywhere, right? Like Bryce Young has the height, CJ Stroud has the pressure, well Levis has a, you know up and down production as well, and then and then obviously you're left with Anthony Richardson, perhaps the the highest highest ceiling lowest floor prospect you got out there. And so if I'm, you know, if I'm a team that's not only considering drafting this guy in the top 10, but potentially yeah. trading up to one or two or whatever it is, you better have some sort of faith that your coaching staff can kind of knock out some of the, the bad habits, specifically with Anthony Richardson's feet that can improve that accuracy numbers because those accuracy numbers are really bad. And I think we tend to look at a guy like Josh Allen and say, work with him, we'll make it work. And I'm not sure if Josh Allen is is the exception to the rule. I, I would probably assume that Josh Allen is, is the exception to the rule. You can't always fix that accuracy issues. Well, I think it's also, too, I, I think Baltimore just discussed, they've established that you can build an offense that is so dual threat. And I, and yeah. I wonder, it's a question, too, of what we really believe in our quarterbacks coach. I, I know that coaching isn't everything here, and but there's a team out there that's going to say to themselves, all right, Let's go and get Richardson. We know he is uber athletic. We think we can improve him in certain areas. You mentioned the the one year. And I just, I think it's going to make for a rather interesting top of the draft. I will be sitting sort of back with my, my, my back against the chair, waiting for pick number 31 at, at midnight local time here in Kansas city. Um, but it's going to be a very interesting beginning of the NFL draft because I, I think there'll be a consensus one through four where these guys go and then there'll be a reality because once one of those is a surprise and it changes, it changes the entire draft. Uh, mock drafts are usually dumb, in my opinion. They're especially dumb when you have this many quarterbacks because one decision changes everything and you have trades and, and whatnot. But we will see. Uh, I think it 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 always makes for a, a much more exciting and fun draft night when there are quarterbacks in, involved because it's franchise altering decisions we had mentioned also about how sometimes guys if you go after a certain free agent quarterback the current quarterback starts to feel the heat a little bit this happens every year when and it could be a mid-round quarterback when when a, a team um takes a, a quarterback in the in the middle of rounds and you start to wonder you know is ryan Tannehill really the guy now that Malik willis is here you know and it's even magnified and enhanced when these guys are taken in the in the top round because that's a very clear indication it may, may not be this year but mr you know quarterback that that's remaining our, our starter you got one year left and so we will see how the rumblings and the the mocks and the big boards change uh, as we go here here in kansas city there was some rumblings that came out via espn that the Chiefs could look very different. And this is a product of, I, I think, a couple things in Kansas City. A, having Patrick Mahomes as part of the salary cap. B, having to pl pay a player like a, a Chris Jones who's going into the final year of his contract. And then uh, I think C, it's just the fact that they believe in their personnel staff so much. And so you got these role player depth guys who are above average, like a Juan Thornhill, for example, or a McCole Hardman, maybe not above average, but an interesting gadget player. And you're asking yourself the the question, can we afford to retain these guys? And I, I tend to think McCole Hardman, who has been a role player for Kansas City, Juan Thornhill, who's been good. You know, he had an injury his rookie year. He finally started to get back to being himself, I think, a bit more finally this year, you know, three or four years later, where they're going to command 
good money because they've proven on NFL tape that that they can do this job. And the Chiefs have drafted Sky Moore last year, Brian Cook, both in the second round. So it tends to seem like they're going to be comfortable moving on from these guys. Bigger question with Orlando Brown. We mentioned the franchise tag. Juju is a very interesting player. Yeah. Juju Smith-Schuster. He's, he's been making waves for taunting the <laughs> Eagles. I don't know why he's doing that. But look, I always appreciate that people lean into the W or I should say the NFL being a little bit more WWE Yeah, because let's say Juju Smith were to Smith Schuster were to stay on the, the chiefs in this off season. We'll see. I know that they do have a desire to retain him, but now you have the Eagles playing them next year. How much more interesting is that game going to be even besides the fact that this is the Super Bowl rematch that you got some spice right. between Brown and Juju and what's going to happen that's still uh, in that scenario. The, the season opener, in my opinion, by the way, I know we talked about it a couple weeks I, ago, but I would love that. I just, I think the NFL is very strategic with their monster bullets. Yeah. And I just think that, that that game could be big any week. True. And so I wonder if they, like they did last year with, with the Rams, Rams and bills are not really a rivalry game, but the bills are just a good team. And so let's, you know, launch the season with this this good team versus the champs. Anyway, Juju's an interesting player. He, you can make a case that he's one of the top receivers, if not the top receiver on the market, but I think he really found his own in Kansas City. And I'm just wondering, A, is is he going to be available? Can the Chiefs work something out before? And, and B, would Juju bend to come back to KC where he was able to win his, his first Super Bowl title? Well, I mean... Patrick Mahomes made him, so uh, I would I would think he want to <laughs> come and, and come back and stay. I don't know. It's interesting yeah. though, because to me these wide receiver markets are so volatile. Last year it was crazy; yeah. everyone was getting paid, and then I think the year before that, Kenny Galladay was the only guy to get paid. And so now you're looking towards a, a wide receiver market that doesn't look that enticing for for most teams. So maybe maybe Juju can get a ridiculous Kenny Galladay deal and, and hopefully look better on the end of it and hold it for more than two years. Like, like Galladay did. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know it to me at his point in his career, I'm not sure if he can really command a huge deal like that. And, and listen, I, I think it's hard to deny that he's best served to be in an offense that knows how to use him like Kansas city. So maybe yeah. take a short-term deal in Kansas city and see if he can cash in in 2024. In my conversations with him, it felt like a player that would be willing to to take a little bit less to stay with the team yeah. that he had success with. But this is not, you know, I talked to Juju when his agent is not there. When right. he's in the room, and he's in his room with his agent, his agent might convince him a little bit differently. And so we'll see that the idea for me of Juju making a lot of money, and this is where it'll get interesting, is like I just don't think there's not a lot of super reliable names. And Juju's an interesting player because he's solid comes with six years of experience only at the age of 26, yeah. 26 year old with six years of NFL experience. So you can make an argument. He hasn't really even entered his prime yet, which is odd because it feels like Juju has been around forever. He's <laughs> going to get to like 35. We're going to be like, Juju is still right. in the NFL. Like, how is that even possible? Um, but you look at the rest of the, the free agency mark. We're going to talk about someone else here in a second, but a Robert Woods, he's had an injury before. Nelson Aguilar has never been great. I mean, I, Alan Lazard has his limitations. DJ Shark. Really want to take a yeah. DJ Shark injury. Julio Julio Jones injury. Um, Jacoby Myers, I know, has not really found a ton of success. So the Juju is in a very nice situation for himself because I just don't think there's a ton of names where you like are slam dunk. Not to say that Juju's a slam dunk, but of the secondary choices this this particular offseason, he feels like 
the most reliable receiver. And we saw what the receiver market was last year. I wonder out loud if Kansas City is going to find itself priced out just because there's a lack of names out there. It's possible. I, I just it does the way you put it though. It, it all feels like secondary choices. It feels like yeah. everyone comes with so much risk that maybe maybe it has the opposite effect. Maybe it draws everyone down. It's just like no one here is really someone <laughs> that I'm I'm willing to spend twelve fifteen million a year. Like on. the just like the conversation that the owners never had about giving a Deshaun contract <laughs> out again. Right. Right. Like. Maybe we all should just not pay receivers right. this much because it's going to make our lives a lot harder. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, speaking of receivers, and we just were hinting at this. This was a, a news break this morning, Jeremy, that the L.A. Rams are giving Allen Robinson the permission to seek trade. This feels like another risk. Does anyone really want to trade value for an Allen Robinson? I wouldn't think so. Uh, I know the Rams are willing to to pay part of his his big salary, but he's got another. 10 million salary next year. And, and I think he's got a, a roster bonus. That's almost 6 million going uh, into 2024 as well. So the contract isn't very good. He's coming off an ACL. And are we sure that Alan Robinson is that good? I mean, he was a guy that I, I had kind of circled as someone I would have liked to see come to Detroit. It's, it's also his hometown. Um, but I just, I don't know. I'd always thought that he just needed a good quarterback to throw him the football and he had a good half season with with Matthew Stafford and couldn't get it figured out for whatever reason. And sometimes that chemistry just takes time. I understand that. But who's to say it's not going to take some extra time with wherever he goes next? And so I don't yeah. I, this seems yeah. like a desperation grab for for draft picks. And I don't know if the Rams are going to get anything beyond a day three pick, if anything. Jacksonville was Jacksonville, and we saw how he developed into a star. And then he went to Chicago, and he tapered off. And I, I think you're right. I think there was this just belief that, all right, well, if you put him in a change of scenery, a better situation, he was he is going to be an elite-level player. And you did put him in L.A., not to say that that was the best situation. We thought it would be much better coming off the Super Bowl win than it was last year. Right. Uh, but I don't know. Once you get to the change of scenery of change of scenery, right. I think you're like <laughs> – I don't know. That's a little bit of a risk there. So we'll see if the Rams get anything back. If they're willing to pay a salary, it, to me, it's it's worth in the realm of like a conditional day three right. pick. Yeah. Right. Like if if Robinson can reach, let's say, I don't know what the number would be, 650 yards, you, you know, you get your fifth rounder, your fourth rounder even, or maybe it's a fifth rounder that becomes a fourth rounder right. if he's able to get X amount of touchdowns. I could see that, especially if LA is willing to pay. But wow, you know, um, this is a, a reminder about life, you know, and and little less little life lesson for you since RJ's not here, and and I haven't I haven't in RJ fashion gotten off topic uh, enough than this. <laughs> but like, I I think it's it's important for you when you're on top not to not to necessarily brag because how how great were was it when they were riding on the parade and saying, we don't need draft picks. Right. We don't need value. Who cares about the future? Man, that's great for that day and that week and maybe that offseason as you're lifting the Lombardi trophy. But this seems like a team in shambles. When you're having to eat some of the contract just to maybe get picks back, man, F those picks was really cool. It's not so cool anymore. Right. Like, you know what I mean? I, like, they're in trouble. And it feels like it's going to be a long time before – they're relevant again. I'm actually surprised that McVeigh decided to come back. I thought this was right for him to be like, what am I doing coming back to this mess? So Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting. And and you, I think different teams would have different philosophies on whether what the Rams eventually did with, with 
the last three or four years as, as a success or not. Obviously, they got the ring, they got the Lombardi, but I think some teams would rather have kind of long-term sustained success and then take those kind of random shots at, at a championship without mortgaging the future like that. You know, I think teams like the the Steelers, the Packers, they're very careful in free agency. They don't make a ton of huge splash moves, but at the same time, they haven't yeah. really reached the pinnacle in a, in a few years now because they, they've been a little bit more conservative in their approach. Um, so I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't think Les Snead is going to regret anything necessarily that he did. It's just kind of a, a necessary evil, I guess, in his mind of, yeah, we're going to have some lean years, but they're going to be worth it for these rebuilding years when we eventually get to the top and then make a huge push to, to make sure that those, that window doesn't, you know, go to waste. It's that classic conversation of like, what is it? What is it? That experience of a Super Bowl worth? This is because, you know, I, the Rams are not going to be in the Super Bowl for the next five to 10 years. I mean, they're not, they're just not. So like, how is that worth it? Or would you rather have a relevant team that has a chance to do it for the next 10 guaranteed, the guaranteed yeah. Super Bowl or the, right. you know, 10 years of competitive fun football to enjoy as a city. And what I, mean, I, I just think I was just saying what one, I think interesting cog in this whole thing is Matthew Stafford, because the whole reason he left Detroit right. was he did not want to go through another rebuild. And so right. after two years in LA, He's going through another rebuild. What what will his does he want to stay and go through that at what is he now like 34, 35, 36, whatever. And you could tell <clears throat> not that McVeigh and, and Stafford didn't look great the year before when they won the Super Bowl, but you can tell McVeigh and Mayfield have this weird thing going on. <laughs> right. like I tend to think that he wants to develop Mayfield into what he, he what McVeigh might deem to believe a successful franchise elite almost nearly quarterback in the NFL. I don't see it, but I could tell that there's some kind of like, he just got here uh, last week and we got that win. It's like, oh, all right, like, but it's still May Baker Mayfield who had no success and two plays. I don't know. So we will see that that's an interesting quarterback situation to watch. I, I do think both of those guys will be in camp. And so it's going to be that classic open quarterback battle between two veterans yeah, and I guess, we'll see if yeah. that's a training camp storyline. But John Robinson is the best running back prospect since, and you added a question here, Jeremy is drafting a running back in the first round. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I want to pose that one to you, but let's talk about Bijan first, because I think the chiefs are obviously an example of, of both drafting a mm -hmm. running back early and having success in a late guy. Um, yeah, but Bijan's, I mean, He's as perfect of a, of a prospect as, as we as we've seen at the running back position in a while, and I think he gets a lot of Saquon Barkley uh, comparisons, and and I, I I tend to agree with those. Of course, that brings up the question is whether you think Saquon Barkley turned out to be the right pick for the Giants. Um, but I, I think now that you know the whole running backs don't matter as much, and and you shouldn't draft one in the first round. I think that has driven Bijan's draft, you know, projections. I, I don't know if we'll ever see a running back projected to go in the top 10 ever anymore. So he's kind of projected maybe in that at 10 to 20 round, um, which man, it's such a risk. Yeah. Yeah. It's, su it's such a risk. I, he's so good. It's such a weird phenomenon because he's so good. But as you mentioned, <clears throat> look no further than Kansas city where they draft a running back in the first round injury prone, the fit wasn't as clear and, and good as, as I think they thought it would be when they were comparing him to Andy Reid's new Brian Westbrook, Clyde Edwards, Elaire we're talking about. And then the, the, the grand, I think example. And, and I think the thing that makes it clear that 
you can't do it is they go and draft a seventh rounder and in Isaiah Pacheco. And by week eight, he's starting right. over Clyde Edwards. And as great as Robinson is, it's just like, can you, you just can't do it because the, the team, whoever team that does it is the immediate eyebrows are going to be raised because it's just like, have you not just watched the last five years of NFL football? But then you're also asking yourself, well, what's the right area to, to take him? Is it number 31 where the chiefs are picking? <laughs> right. Like, you know, like, so I don't know how this, this plays out. I, I tend to think he'll go wide in the top 25. We have Probably. to think, right? Yeah. I mean, I've been so I, I brought this up because I've been leading the brigade in, in Lions land to not draft Bijan Robinson, not because I don't like the prospect I do, but a lot of Lions fans are are down to do that at 18. You know, you got DeAndre Swift coming, uh his Lions career probably coming to a close after this year, uh, the end of his rookie deal. Um, but yeah, all, all the points that you brought up, it's 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 the most injured position, it's the least paid position. So you're you're getting the least value out of your first round pick monetarily. And I just, yeah, I mean, you look around the league and the teams with the best running backs in the league are not the best teams in the NFL. That's just not how you win football games anymore. And and because you can get replacement level guys on day three of the NFL draft regularly, like we, we can point to Isaiah Pacheco, but he's not the sole example. That sort of stuff happens right. all the time. And so James Robinson is probably the better example yeah, more recently. Exactly. Uh, Und- undrafted. And I mean, I love the guy. I think he's going to have a, a really successful career. But another another aspect of this is when you are drafting in the first round, you are not just drafting for the 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 four years of his rookie contract. You're hoping that guy becomes a 10-year player on your team. And at running back, I think we all can pretty much agree that second contract that a running back gets almost never pays off. So you're talking about a four-year rental, maybe a five-year with the fifth-year option, maybe six if you want to you know, franchise tag him at the end of that. To, to upgrade a position that just doesn't have the value that it used to. Yeah. I think to answer your initial question, I, I think he's probably the best prospects in Saquon. Yeah. Saquon was, if you remember in the draft lead up, it was like, this is a game changer. That was the last year of, I think people really being consensus still to an extent all in on taking someone like this. Whereas now I think people are just like a little bit more knowledgeable of, how it could set your franchise back because it takes one injury and you're just like, we could have used that first rounder on a pick of a player that is a little bit more rare to come by when it comes to production, whether that be an edge player, quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. So we will see what happens with Robinson. It, it's fascinating. And let's stop with Robinson to Detroit. Jamal Williams and the Lions are like peanut butter and jelly to me. I don't want to see him play for any other team ever. I don't want to see any of his role taken away. I love him. I think he might be my favorite player that uh, is not, you know, a Kansas City chief and as far as you know, outside coverage. Um, enough with drafting players at his position. We we definitely don't need that. The, the league would not be better for that. Oh, I, I did want to mention the Rashad White comments. Yeah. The Bucks became a team who might be connected to Robinson and Rashad White. And I'll, I'll read his quote here. I don't have no problem with Bijan. The thing is, at the end of the day, what I've learned through I'm young. My agent and what people in my circle taught me. It's a business. We all know that. Tampa Bay has to do its best for Tampa Bay. My coaches have to do its best for my coaches. Everybody has a little selfishness in them. You have to. Me, I'm selfless. You can you can draft Bijan. You can draft whoever. At the end of the day, I'm going to win that job. That's just what I've always done. Of course, the Bucks recently released uh, Leonard Fournette. 
as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which seems like a, a notable thing to bring up. But yeah, that, I mean, that, I mean, if they were to draft Bijan after drafting Rashad White in the third round last year, um, I'm not sure I agree with his assessment that he's beating him out in camp. But hey, he's got to have know, that confidence. <laughs> and he, that's, and that's the reality. And, you know, you talk about fantasy football. That's the reality, I think, of, of today's NFL is, is, you're you're impacting other guys so immediately whoever takes uh takes robinson will change dynasty and fantasy teams <laughs> for the the year and years to come in a way all right let's keep moving on uh, this was brought up by our wonderful producer rachel a strong tight end class and multiple tight ends possibly landing in the first round uh, what do you make uh, of this, Jeremy? Well, yeah, I mean, again, I think positional value is worth bringing up here too. Is is a tight end in the first round worth it? Um, I, in, in some cases, for sure. Um, but I think you look across the league in the NFL, and there's really only one tier of guys that maybe three or four, maybe five guys in the NFL that that really are worthy of that first round talent. And um, but but I do like this class. I really do. Um, I, I look to me, Darnell Washington out of Georgia is a guy who probably yeah. had the best week. He had the, he made the the flashy one-handed catch, but he's also just he's huge. 2 six, I'm sorry, 67 265 ran super yeah. fast at the combine and I think he's kind of that two-way player where um you know, I don't want to I, I hate making comparisons to the best tight end in the league, but like he's a George Kittle two-way guy that that will be able to catch the yeah. ball but but he can block like a madman. He's a road grader <laughs> in the run game. So, if you're looking for that guy who can who can really improve yeah. both your running and your passing game. I think, I think he's the guy I'm circling. Yeah. Washington is listed as the, the fourth tight end in, in most mocks. As far as when he's going to go in the first round, it goes Michael Mayer of Notre Dame, Luke Musgrave of Oregon state, Dalton Kincaid of Utah, and then Washington, as you're describing the one thing that they have in common, as you were mentioned, is they're just huge yeah. individuals. Yeah. And I, I think speaking from a, a, a person who covers a team who has this advantage there, it's rare. And that's why I think you're going to start to see these guys go in the first round because it's rare and it's such an enormous advantage having a Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle, Waller when he's healthy. And we'll see about Pitts. I think when he started to come into his own when he suffered the injury. Um, but it's just, it's just, there's not 32 of these guys, right? And there, there's probably not 10. And so I think what you're seeing is there's other teams around the league who are seeing these advantages that the 49ers, the chiefs, you know, you want to make a case for the Ravens that they have. And it's like, we want that type of toy. Like, why is that not part of our offense? And I think you're going to see these guys go. And one of these guys, if not two, three, I think for the betterment of the league, hopefully all of them enter that tier. Cause I think it is a, a that, that dynamic tight end position is, is something where, it just makes the game more exciting and, and what a tool it is for a guy like the chiefs traded Tyree kill. And because they had Travis Kelsey, this position we're talking about, as far as dynamic tight end, they were able to still do it. Right. And I, I just think it, it offers you that. Uh, and I, I think a lot of teams out there want it. And so the run on tight ends is something that I'm interested on in the, the opening night of the NFL. It's, it's such an unguardable position with guys that yeah. big and that's fast. Um, it, it's almost like having a defensive end out there that's able to catch the yeah. ball. Um, but I want to, I want to, I want to pitch a cautionary tale as a okay. coming from a team here that has drafted a tight end in the top 10 twice in the past decade or so, Eric Ebron and, and TJ yeah. Hawkinson. 
it's not always as easy as it looks. Tight end is a position that I think takes a while to adjust in the NFL because blocking is so much more complicated. Uh, the, the talent in terms of, of who you're lining up against is so much harder. And you have, you're starting to see like that, that hybrid corner safety position of, of big guys who are also big and fast and aren't afraid to lay on big hits. So it's easier said than done in finding kind of that top tier. But when you have that top tier guy, I'm with you. That is, that is something that is irreplaceable. Yeah. And I, I think the, the team that, that selects a tight end to me also is a team that's, it's going to be a team that's close. Yeah. Right. If you're taking a tight end in the first round, it's a little bit of a luxury, right? It's not one of those positions necessarily that you need to have any kind of success in the NFL. We mentioned the edge and quarterback and and yada, yada. Um, But I think it's look for those teams that feel like they're maybe one offensive piece away. And then suddenly you're like, okay, this team might be able to do it. All right. Our last uh, storyline to come out of the combine week is it's kind of a, you know, it's it's a subdued one because it's not, not a fun thing to talk about. It's, the fall of, of Jalen Carter and a, you know, a lot of people stemming from the charge of two misdemeanor offenses in connection to the fatal accident that ended up killing two members of the Georgia football team. This came out. It's weird how these, this timing works out. Carter was about to speak at the combine. It was almost to the point. I think it was within the same hour. So yeah. it could have broken as he was at the podium, which would have been surreal i don't know if there's any other way to describe it this is a very interesting situation because we mentioned the quarterbacks and when you have quarterbacks involved in the draft they're going to go in the top however this is a player defensive tackle you know out of georgia who most evaluators and have considered maybe the the best pure talent in this nfl draft and so now it's a situation of evaluating what took place gathering information and I think for a guy that was going to go in the top five, it's will he go in the top five? And if he doesn't, how far are we talking as far as a, a fall here, Jeremy? Yeah, and it, it's really impossible to know. I don't know Jalen Carter as a kid. I've never met him. I don't really know where, you know, I think there was baseless rumors before this that, that there were some character concerns. Um, maybe those are, are a little bit less baseless now, or maybe just people take do a little bit more homework on them. Um, obviously, the, the legal process has to play out too. Um, we have to figure out where he's going to be on draft night. Um, it's just, it's a really tough situation because, uh, you know, personally speaking, I want to be the kind of person that allows people to make mistakes and learn from them. But this is a little bit more than that, right? This is, this is life and death with some people. Um, alcohol was involved at least on, on one end. Um, and, and, you know, th- there's reports out there. I think that the Jalen Carter has been, pulled over for speeding on more than one occasion before this. So I, I mean, it's, it's a really thin line to walk here and it's hard to know, you know, how to evaluate someone personally, especially from such far distance here in my, my, you know, my sofa here. Yeah. This, this is one of the tough parts of covering the NFL yeah. because I mean, in, in my opinion, here's the reality. This happened. This news became part of the cycle way early enough where i don't think he's going to fall at all yeah. i think if this had broken draft weekend like we've seen in the past laramie tunsil comes to sure. uh different completely different situation but just it's an example of falling that i, I think the the news stories that break draft weekend have teams scrambling and then it, that leads to falls the fact that this happened weeks and weeks and weeks before the draft and again I don't, you can consider this a sad reality i think this is one of the, the worst parts about covering the league is it'll be out of this new cycle. 
teams will say they did their due diligence and their homework. And the NFL is too much of a business for him to fall much past what would have been eight, nine, 10, maybe anyway. And I think that there are going to be teams in the top five that say to themselves, man, if he's going to fall to 11 anyway, let's get, let's go through the PR storm. And this is just the reality. Like they'll play a game. The team will win. The team will get a couple wins and, really won't be talked about that much anymore. And again, that's, that's one of the the downsides sometimes of covering this league. Yeah. It's, I, I think I'm with you there. Obviously, obviously teams are going to do more digging now. And if they find anything else, God forbid, like then, then you could see a precipitous fall, but I think I'm with you. It, we're far enough away. It's, it's allegations at this point. And, and I, you know, you just, you never know with, with things like this. I, I think, I think the key too is also there. It just has to be one team, right? Just has to be one team that's willing to put all this aside and say, you know I what, mean, you... we're gonna we're gonna take him anyways because we know he's a talented player. And I, I think you're right. I, I think it's allegations, and we should remind people of that. I mean, you have to have like legal processes play out here. But I mean, you could just see the press conference now. We did our due diligence. Yep. We got information on the kid. Yep. We've done our homework. We wouldn't bring someone into this community who we thought would be a risk. And that's it. So whatever team drafts him is going to say those <laughs> yeah. those lines, and that'll be it. Right. Like that. That's just how this this goes. So, again, that that's another situation to monitor. So those are the 10 storylines to come out of the NFL Combine. As we do it every episode, we're going to welcome Rachel back in. Rachel, what are your comments from the Combine? What points did you like? What points did you not like? And then as RJ tells you to do every week, let's let's name our MF double MVP. I think my favorite topic from Combine weekend was definitely tight ends. And this is where I actually really love Pete's take. Um, if you just look at, you know, pretty much like the history, like wide receiver is definitely usually more like the flashy position. But I feel like this year's tight end class is so loaded where it's like if other teams are paying attention to the Chiefs, to the Ravens, to the Falcons, the Eagles, like you're seeing how Dallas Goddard was such an impact player as well. It's like, this is their year, year that I would be all in because you see how much of a difference they can make when it comes to your offense. And so I really did like Pete's take on that. Just talking about like the advantages you see with some of these offenses when they take advantage of having not even just one bus in some circumstances, two strong tight ends. So that's like a luxury. That was my favorite topic for today. Um, Jeremy, I loved your point when you talked about you guys were talking about uh, Allen Robinson, but then you kind of like threw to the quarterback situation and how that like is going to affect Matthew Stafford. And is he going to want to stay to like go through another rebuild process and all that kind of stuff. So that was a really strong take from you personally. Um, I have to touch on, of course, the Baltimore Ravens situation as a Baltimore Ravens fan. Like this is definitely very a sensitive topic for me and Jeremy you kind of hit the nail on his head when you were saying that you don't think it's going to work out for Lamar Jackson as a fan I want I want him to stay but after everything that went down with like his Instagram story post and he was talking about how he didn't feel valued that was kind of like the turning point for me where I was like I don't know if I see it and so it sucks as a fan because I want him to stay but I just don't know if I see it working out because clearly if he's looking at how things have panned out with you know Watson um, he's going to want more and he deserves more because he's a better player. Um, and so based off of today's point, I'm going to give it to Jeremy. I think you did. Unbelievable. A <laughs> no, no 
No consideration Listen. for me filling in as a host. It's a role that I don't do on this show. Job. I was going to say. Phenomenal were... job, Keith. You held it down. You definitely did. You were thrust into an That's uncomfortable right. role, but you, you held your own. I, you know, going from wide receiver three to wide receiver two, easier going than, than wide receiver sure, two to wide that's receiver That's true. One. But uh, congratulations to, to Jeremy. I, I believe right around this time in the show, RJ would say thank you to Rachel. He would thank Jeremy. He would thank myself. And then he would tell me to quack like a duck or something. So I'll do that. Uh, thank you for joining us on Monday Football Monday. Quack, 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 quack.